0: Welcome to TALC, teaching and learning consultation skills. This is the TALC Talks podcast, helping everyone who sees patients to improve their consultation skills, to get better outcomes, and this approach can even increase your job satisfaction. Today I'm joined by Anne, Julian and Jonathan. Jonathan, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Hi, I'm Jonathan Squibbs, a GP trainee based in South Manchester.
0: Thank you.
2: Anne? Hi, I'm Anne Thomas. I'm a GP in Manchester and a primary care medical educator also in Manchester.
0: And Julian?
3: Hi, Avril, I'm a GP and trainer in Bolton and also a primary care medical educator in Manchester.
0: Thank you. Today's podcast concerns the module which is called TALK: Skills for Building Effective Relationships we're going to be discussing the clinical benefits of empathic care and developing skills for empathic communication. There is more information in the chapters How does a small dose of empathy produce a much better clinical outcome? And Can you go beyond flat-pack empathy? Transforming transactions into healing relationships. Julian, in their book Compassionomics, Matt Cirelli and Tresciak discuss hundreds of papers that show that empathy and compassionate care actually improve all kinds of outcomes. So what are the physical benefits of treating people with empathy and compassion?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating work and, and um, they showed potential mechanisms and outcomes for compassionate healthcare, supported by over 200 publications. And, and the, the physical benefits that they described uh, are, are quite vast, but they include improvements in immune function, in wound healing, in glycemic control, in blood pressure control in the response to medications. And they also describe um, reductions in in the experience that a patient has with pain, reductions in cardiovascular events and mortality. And it's even enabled patients to reduce the dose of, of medications that they take
0: that that's dramatic and fascinating and i think some people might find that rather unexpected i I think i certainly would not have expected wound healing to be more quick if people are treated compassionately and there are probably other benefits of compassionate and empathic care too would you like to say something about those
2: yeah i mean as you say it's um really interesting to hear that work about physical benefits i think we can understand that um compassion and empathic care can affect people's quality of life and it also affects the experience of disease states for example in in cancer care so the patient experience can be dramatically affected by the sort of care that's given we know that loneliness has adverse effects on health and these can be improved by appropriate interpersonal relationships so expressing empathy can improve people's mental health It can reduce depressive and anxiety symptoms. Another really important benefit is that compassion and empathic care results in enhanced patient self-care, which obviously we're keen to encourage in primary care. It means that patients are much more likely to stick to a treatment plan. They're more likely to make relevant, important lifestyle changes, and they're more likely to engage in positive social activities. We know that the non-adherence to treatment causes treatment failure and it also increases healthcare costs and this is all reduced with empathic care
0: it's fascinating isn't it so empathy is not just a touchy-feely nice add-on it actually contributes to the practical clinical outcomes that we're all searching for in our care Jonathan I think there's another area of this which is interesting which is about the benefits to clinicians themselves this again might be a bit counterintuitive to many people who worry that getting involved in people's feelings will be a bit stressful or lead them to get overwhelmed by their work. What what would you say about that, Jonathan?
1: I can really relate to those concerns that you've mentioned about sort of becoming overwhelmed. Um, But personally, I found that by being compassionate, you know, providing empathy to patients, um, it's really helped me to relate to them as individuals and and see them as the people that they are. And I found that really helps me to develop my relationship with them, but also, As a result of that, my satisfaction with these consultations increases um, and there's a knock-on effect there to my personal well-being, resilience, uh, ability to, to cope with maybe more challenging situations as well. And there's also lots of evidence to show that clinicians who display empathy and compassion provide higher quality care, work to higher standards and are less likely to make some significant medical errors. And then with all those benefits to the patients, um, that Anne mentioned as well, there's also reduced consultations lengths and, and number of consultations and healthcare costs as well. So lots of benefits to clinicians and the wider system as well.
0: It's really fascinating that that it that it can affect the, the system as a whole and make clinicians themselves feel more satisfied and happy. So empathy and compassion are really key factors in successful healthcare. Now, some writers have talked about three kinds of empathy involved here. There's a kind of cognitive empathy, which is when you listen hard and think about what somebody's saying and work out what they're feeling from what they say, from their behavior and that kind of thing. And there's also a kind of emotional empathy when you almost catch the feeling from somebody else in your body. Like if you're with a very sad or depressed person, you, you almost start to feel sad or depressed yourself. And that's probably connected with this notion of mirror neurons, whereby when you're with somebody, um, the neurons in your own brain match what the neurons in the person you're with are doing. And that kind of empathy can actually be quite tiring, as Jonathan was, was talking about before, but it becomes less tiring if it's linked with empathic concern and empathic action. And that means working to name the feelings that that person is experiencing, and then helping that person in whatever way is feasible while at the same time being realistic about what feasible really is. Now, doing this actually makes clinicians feel better and it actually stops them from getting exhausted or cynical or worn out with the work they're doing. So I suppose one of the key questions and I'm going to ask you, Julian, is is it possible to learn how to be more effective in our empathy? Is this a learnable skill or is it just because we're vaguely cuddly, nice people?
3: Yeah, you know, I mean, as you mentioned, there's, there's lots of benefits to the patient and to us. And um, actually, w- what one exercise we use in in our um, teaching, which is predominantly with um, GP specialist trainees, is to actually uh, we've developed an exercise where the, the the trainees work in teams. So we divide them into two teams and give them a scenario, and the scenario might be um, uh, a clinical situation like like this so a person is standing waiting for a bus out of the blue a cyclist veers into them and knocks them over causing the person at the bus stop to get to sustain a, flat, a fractured clavicle but no other injury they come to see you with their arm in a sling so that's the generic um, structure this is i suppose we, we quite often talk about disease and illness in, in the work and this is the disease the accident that's happened to this patient but then we give each team a, a list of different emotions and the idea is that each individual weaves uh, an emotion into the um so that script um so for example um you might have somebody who's really angry or desperate or um or, or another example might be somebody who's actually quite quite grateful and um, so i'll give you an example of of that or, or relieved so and um, the patient might, the, the trainee may then um, give us the scenario with the with the emotion weaved in. I was standing at the bus stop waiting with my elderly mum who has terrible osteoporosis. The cyclist came at great speed out of nowhere, hit the curb and knocked me over, and i have broken my collarbone. But thank goodness he missed my mum and she's absolutely fine. And so the, the, the game that we then play is that, once the teams have had time to prepare their little scenarios, they take it in turns to present the, their um, little vignette to the the other team, and the, the other team has to try and guess the the overriding emotion involved in the uh, in the situation. And uh, I mean, we sometimes score them as you get a point, and and it becomes a, a bit of a fun and a game. But um, we found it it's just a tremendously powerful exercise. It works in so many ways. Um, I mean, one of the things that often comes out is is that the responses that the person who's playing the c- clinician comes up with is actually um comes up with a with a uh, a solution to the to the um the emotion that the patient's describing. So sometimes somebody might be angry and, and the doctor shows calm and that helps settle the emotion of the anger. Sometimes somebody can seem, you know, in total despair and the doctor'll just make a little comment and acknowledgement and then and some hope develops. So it's like the antidote to the, the emotion comes in. Um, the other things, again, it highlights the difference, just as human beings, that like we all have um, an individual personal experience to to being injured or a disease. And it's not it's often not what we'd expect as a clinician. Um, and so just, just exploring that and acknowledging it, as well as the importance of acknowledging the emotion, it helps us really um, understand our patients more. And I think the other benefit from the exercises, as well as uh, practicing listening to the cues and the different emotions that can be heard just by listening to the patient, it also, it's a really good example to, for the for the trainee clinician to practice experiential um, learning. Maybe they could choose an emotion that they wouldn't normally um, associate with, with that particular scenario and practice how that feels. So we, we've found it a tremendously useful exercise.
0: That's really interesting. And and I can see that it would work on a lot of different levels. As you say, there's um, perhaps realising that not everybody experiences a broken clavicle in the same way and that what might be a disaster for one person might be a minor inconvenience to someone else or even something they're grateful, as you said, that it was them and not their elderly mother who got knocked over. And I think there's also this realisation, which you're saying, people actually experience that if the feeling and the emotion is accurately named, like, you know, it sounds like you're almost grateful that it was you that got knocked over and not your mother, then that deepens the rapport between the clinician and the patient, makes the patient feel fully understood. And then in a way, the consultation can move on to other matters or or, or can explore that feeling in bigger detail. Um, so that's really important. And it's interesting that you're talking about doing this with doctors, but well, I've discussed this exercise with nurses and actually with somebody who trains counsellors. and um, They said they thought this was an exercise to be really valuable in all this quite wider range of professions as well, because we all tend to understand the broken clavicle quite well, but we can't understand the individual unless we listen very carefully to what they're saying. So, Jonathan, I'm I'm wondering when you've sort of taken on board this, and I know you've done that exercise yourself. If you name someone's feelings in an empathic way during a consultation, what are the effects of that in your experience? What happens?
1: Yeah, I mean, I did that exercise a, a number of years ago, and it's probably the first introduction to naming emotions um, in that way. And I found it really powerful and, and really, you know, think back to that exercise a number of times, really, to help me um how to put it into practice in in sort of clinical um, work with patients and I found it to be really powerful actually both from my perspective and from the patients I mean one example was I was talking with a patient last week who's got a number of ongoing issues with physical health home situation mental health Um, and I I just sort of paused and took a a second and just said it, it sounds like you're quite overwhelmed and she just stopped, kind of looked at me and said, you've really hit the nail on the head there. And you could just tell that she felt listened to, she felt that I'd under- someone understood her and her situation. I mean, that didn't take long. You know, we, it takes 30, 40 seconds really to, to demonstrate sort of empathy and to name those emotions. But actually, I found that really helps to develop and deepen a rapport with your patients um, increase trust because they feel listened to, feel understood. And... Actually, once you get to that point, you can then move on from the consultation. And with that patient, we had a really positive discussion about how, ways that she could manage those and her situation um, and do some self care there. Um, so I found it to be really, really positive, really effective. And we, we know as well that these things. the the benefits persist for up to six months after the consultation as well. So there's there's long lasting effects just from maybe what seems to be kind of a a short sentence or or something like that.
0: That's really interesting that, that for a relatively few seconds of consultation time, you can improve somebody's feelings about things for quite a long time. I'd like to really examine what we mean by an empathic comment in more detail now. Um, because there's a lot of different ways of expressing empathy. And Anna, I was wondering if you'd like to say something about what an empathic comment really is and, and what can help to make empathic comments more powerful. Yeah,
2: so initially, empathy can be a bit of the sort of flat pack, one-size-fits-all type statements that, that are generic or they can even be formulaic. They are a good starting point in a conversation, sort of enable the conversation and helps to move to explore the effects of symptoms on a person. For example, using a phrase like, I'm sorry to hear that. I mean, that might be a perfectly good start in response to some information that clearly have an impact on an individual. However, moving on from that, a skilled clinician will explore the patient's response a bit further. And the idea is to develop some more bespoke empathy. So this is really where the empathic comment indicates precise listening. As Jonathan said, that the, the value of patient understanding that they are being listened to they are being heard um, is, is, is really highly valued by the patient and is really helpful to keep a conversation moving on. Um, so an empathic comment that relates to the actual situation of the speaker. Those shows them more like, It sounds like your arthritis pain is really interfering with your beloved allotment gardening. This latter empathy here refers to the specific situation of the patient. So it's more powerful. And it also includes an interpretation of how a patient may be feeling. So it really demonstrates that the clinician sees that person as an individual. It's also really useful to include phrases like, it sounds like, because ultimately we are making an interpretation And sometimes we don't get it right. And that then allows a patient or a person to correct you as needed. Um, And so we can give some clarification after you've made these
0: bespoke empathic comments. Mm. It's very clear how those more specific comments would feel much more personal. I, I think that's very clear. When we build our relationships, building skills, we can also go further and build a therapeutic alliance between the clinician and the patient. And this is actually quite a healing phenomenon in itself. It has a huge beneficial effect. And in this context, the clinician can go even further and use something which which I think of as therapeutic empathy, which expresses the values and maybe the aspirations or maybe to help the patient see new possibilities in their own story. Um, Mohan Kumar sometimes says, my story is broken, can you help me fix it? And I think therapeutic empathy can sometimes do that. And I'm thinking we might do a little demonstration just to show these principles in practice. Um, And uh, Julian's gonna tell us about something that's happened within his life. And then Anne and Jonathan are going to use some different kinds of empathic comments. We can just explore a little bit about how this might work in practice. So Julian, tell us what's been happening at home.
3: Yeah, April, sadly, uh... Lovely cat Yum Yum died, had to be put down a couple of weeks ago. She'd been with us for the best part of 12 years.
2: Oh, Julian, I'm sorry to hear that.
0: Okay, so Anne's expressing sorrow, and that's a good start. But you could almost use that statement for any difficult circumstance, so it doesn't feel very personal, and it, it can almost sound a bit formulaic or even insincere. Julian, perhaps you could tell us again about what happened to your cat.
3: Yeah, I mean, sadly, our cat Yum Yum um, had to be put down a couple of weeks ago. And she's you know, she'd been in the family nearly 12
0: years.
2: So it sounds like you're really missing a treasured family member.
0: Now, that, that comment uh, isn't difficult to do because Julian's indeed said that he's had a family member who in effect has died. And that's picking up a clue about the cat being part of the family. So it shows listening. It's a much more bespoke form of empathy than just some phrase that you can pick out and apply to anybody. we can go even further julian tell us what's been happening in your family
3: yeah sadly uh our cat yum yum had to be put down a couple of weeks ago and i mean she'd been part of the family for the best part of 12 years
1: oh julian how sad that you've lost yum yum i know she gave you and your family so many happy memories for for all those years
0: so that that takes it a bit further it's specific to the situation but it also starts to direct attention to some of the more positive elements of what's going on And it starts to reframe the story. The story is still one of loss, but there's also a reminder there that there was a great deal of positive things that Yum Yum brought to the family. And I think that's what I mean by therapeutic empathy. So we've ranged quite widely here from the kind of physical effects of improving our empathy right down to the nitty gritty of how we learn these skills and how to practice these skills. There are more details in the written materials and videos that go with this module and I would really encourage people to also develop their skills in developing empathy by things they do outside medicine, reading books, reading poetry, watching films, listening to the radio, listening to podcasts about other subjects can all help us develop our attunement to the situations of other people and that helps to build our empathy. Thank you, everyone. This podcast was brought to you by NHS Professional Educators. Making training available to all.